podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is a view from the bridge, official podcast of the Belfast Giants for Kingdom of the Giants.com. Today's Tuesday, the 15th of November 2022. A day that for me can't end quick enough. My name is Patrick Smith. Listen, if you've ever had your car break down while work is being done in your house and everything's going on at once, I have sympathy with you today of all days. Uh, we're live on YouTube, Facebook, and on Twitter. You can also download us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, load more of your normal podcast providers on this week's show. It was a weekend of battles for the Giants, victorious in Altrincham, but just short in Nottingham. Uh, we'll get to the game shortly. D-man Matt Foley got an apple on Saturday. He'll join us for the fan agenda, ask, answering your questions. And uh, we'll have news and dops from around the league. And, uh, and a quick look ahead to another big weekend for the Belfast Giants on the road this week. A doubleheader in Sheffield against the Steelers. Davey, how are you doing, mate? Not too bad, Patrick. Sorry for your uh, your trouble there with your car and your kitchen and all, all sorts going on in the world, but uh, hopefully a bit more normality days, tomorrow for you. One, one of those days, mate, I'm just glad I'm here to be able to talk to you yeah. boys and sort of get away from all the nonsense. I don't have a kitchen yet. It's still a shell. It's still built, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Who knows? Maybe in a couple of weeks' time, I'll be able to talk to you with a big smile on my face because we finally got a kitchen. You can't but, hide money, Joel. Sure, you can't. You just can't hide it. True story, man. <laughs> wouldn't know. Wouldn't know. <laughs> anyway, wouldn't know. Tell you what, Joel, that was some pod that you were staying in up in Donegal. Uh, the, we, the photographs are being thrown out left, right, and center for anybody on, nice, on nice Facebook time. or Instagram. There he was, a little pod up in the rugged northwest. Headed for the wilderness for the weekend, mate. Just needed to get away from phone signal and uh, and just busyness for a couple of days. It did the soul good, actually. It's a long time since I've been to Donegal. It was one of those places that you went, you, you were told by your parents you were going on holidays, and then you went to Donegal and sat in a cottage and got rained on for a week. Um, but see, through the eyes of an adult, quite a nice place, pretty spectacular. Um, but yeah, every, it was week, nice. every, every other weekend for about 15 years, mate. We really? <laughs> had a little place up there, so we used to oh, just sit here. Amazing. Yes, highly recommend. I will yes. say, and we'll get to the hockey. I will say it's one of those things with when you're like 15, 16, 17 years old, and your mum and dad are dragging you up to the little cottage and they're like, oh, you think it's the worst thing in the world because you just want to play Mega Drive. You know what I mean? It's just uh, uh for, for people who didn't feel the Mega Drive predates the PS4, three, two, one, and me the Dreamcast. <laughs> but yeah. You didn't, you didn't have a Mega Drive, Joel. Hang on, hold the phone. No, I, I was a, I was a snares kid, mate. I was weird. Okay, I'm just no, thinking, like Paddy, like my Mega Drive was probably like at the most about the size of an A4 piece of paper. Yeah, like it, you could have took it to Donegal. It did have a. There was no TV. Uh, Trump, Trump. <laughs> 
trying to plug it in. It was the 90s, mate. It was the 90s. You only afford one TV and that stayed in Belfast. Yeah, true story. (laughs) I still have my my SNES with the first ever version of FIFA. So whenever he's over for the Friendship 4 boys, I know that you all go to the pub and whatever else. If he's want to come over and play a few games, like, I mean... Oh, no. Joel, bring it to the the arena and we'll put it on the massive screen. (laughs) We'll play FIFA on the huge screen in the corner. There's your period bricks. It's There's really good to identify FIFA. with the kids right from the top of the show this week, isn't it? It's brilliant. It's really cool. At this moment in time, James Glover's writing notes saying period break NHL <laughs> on the corner. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time either. Alan, Alan Brett told him memories of his Amiga 500. Nah, you see, that's that's the words of an old man. Sorry, Alan, mate. I don't know. before my time. You're you're listening to a view from the game, Master. I'm old. Huh? <laughs> Is that when you have to put cassette tapes in? I had a CPC 464, an Amstrad. Mm. You had to put cassettes Com- in it. Commodore. I had, a, I had an Amstrad anyway, PC 1512 because I was a nerd. You know, <laughs> said, give money. Right, let's get back to the hockey boys. <laughs> Belfast Giants were on the road. Uh, start of a very long road swing that normally happens in November. And, the, and we were up against on Friday night. The Manchester Storm down at the Drizzle Dome. The Manchester Storm actually started a brand new netminder who was announced the day after Matt Ginn was on this very show. He could have announced it on this very show, but he did not. He waited the next morning and they signed uh, the son of Martin Brodeur, Jeremy Brodeur. Unfortunately for the, fortunately for him, it was one shot, one goal as he was introduced to the Elite League in a, in a spectacular fashion. The Belfast Giants walked out of Altrium as five two victors. Orval and Johnson for the goals to the Manchester Storm, whereas Kieran Long in 32 seconds scored the open it. Mark Cooper, Colby McCauley, Scott Conway in the power play, and Steve Barry keeping that streak alive on the power play. Also, with regards to the Nets, Jackson Whistle was in goals for your Belfast Giants, 29 shots against, two goals against, and that man we just mentioned, Jeremy Broder, 52 shots against, five goals against. The referees were the Sewells, Liam and Joe. Joe. Um, Davey, one shot, one goal. Brodeur was brought in as comfort to Levine. And, you know, a great start for the Giants. To give him credit, though, he didn't have a bad game. I thought both um, Brodeur and Whistle were the standout players, probably on the ice on the night. Um, I think through the first period, certainly, um, the, the scoreline was what it was because of Jackson Whistle. And that could have been even... You know, more lopsided at the other end, if not for Bridger. Of course, the first goal, one one shot, one goal can, you know, a, a goalie can fall down with that very quick. But, you know, I'd say we talk about players being out, Kevin Rain still out, Kieran Long still operating on the back end on D, and he comes in off the blue line with great speed, comes across, shooting right to left across Bridger. Well, left to right is Bridger looking at it in the far post, and the Giants get off to a really nice start. That second goal, then I think you're going to roll the goals. The second goal with, um, I think it's Coops coming down the left wing and, and the one-timer, again, making Brodeur go right to left and he's not able to. There's the goal from Longer. And I think that all night long, we attacked their D-line with such pace. We talked about that uh, that rink being small and everything happening quicker. And I think it really suited our game. Well, we are, or we played a we played a style that suited that rink the other night. We came with pace, constantly hitting that blue line. From red to blue line with pace and going in and then you're as a D-man, you're having to turn, and D-men do not like turning and facing their own goals. And the Belfast Giants were able to do that time and time again. And like I'm just looking at my notes here, and like through that second period, 22 shots to six in the second period, it could have got away from the storm, but they hung in there. And you know, the Giants get a, a bit of a messy third one, and then 
they get one back and just just you know, a lovely drop pass from Ori for that fourth one. And then when you go into that last period, um, a mistake, a little bit of a mistake from West gives them a little bit of life. And but the Giants go up the other end. It's Ori with his uh, fifth goal in two games. Obviously, he got the goals against Cardiff last week and uh, two goals in the power play. Really, really nice for us. And uh, you know, I really, really strong performance for me. And you know, you've got Soizy taking a taking a sore one late on high up and shot to the face. But the boys dug in, and you know, you can you can tell that. That was a an energy draining performance. We had to go flat to the mat for for the full sixty minutes to take that win, and and it, it didn't come easy despite the lopsided floor scoreline. But um, a well deserved win that could have probably been a slightly wider margin of victory had it not been from such a good game from Bridger. I think uh, that the Giants were good for their win. Like the the only real lapse that I saw was their their first goal, Manchester's first goal. I think our defensive position was a bit off. Colby McCauley was sitting off, leaving a man near the net. But I think what Davy Sands bang on, like we have horror stories from that dreaded first trip to Manchester on that claustrophobic ice pad. Um, but Paddy, I mean, you were there. It looked like the Giants dealt well with moving the puck in in those kind of uh, in those claustrophobic spaces, and not only that, but actually pressing quite well. You, you think they were good for their win? Absolutely, I think one of the, one of the real things that Manchester do well is disrupt, especially on that on their home ice. You know, the, the fact is there is so little space that when when Belfast were going into into the ozone, they Manchester were really good at sort of crowding them out and not giving them any short, sort of lanes to shoot in, and that seemed to happen after you see when that first goal comes from from Longer. You know, it's a case of you know he's in open space with a clean view of Brodeur's goal and he strikes it so well, it just goes flying past Brodeur, who's in cold. And I think there was a conversation between myself and, um, well, who was it? I think it might have been, it might have been John O'Bullard uh, or there was definitely somebody at the rink where, where we were um, we were shocked that Brodeur actually started this game. Um, I don't think whether Levine was, was injured or whether they were just giving him a bit of a break. But it was the, the question was, you know, why is Brodeur coming into this game now? He was only signed midweek. You know, yeah. is he ready for it? And um, that first shot, first goal was sort of, like you say, Davey would break anybody. But I thought, you know, he came into the game well and actually stopped it from being a bit of a cricket score the way the Giants were playing and the way the Giants were fighting the net. But the overall Manchester came back into it. And, you know, and, and time and time again in that rink, I've seen us go get commanding leads and we were getting commanding leads but time and time again i've seen us being paid back and i think we've uh, i think adam keith's you know obviously you know he's got great experience there in that rink now and and it's probably as the lads well warned we were five one up last season and and it, and it went the overtime you know we, we need to close the games out there on that short ice and that is exactly what we were doing um i thought you know jackson whistle was excellent for us and anytime we did find that space we were able to use it but uh, credit to Manchester, I thought they did really well. Joel, coming back to you, the you know, the, like I said, you know, the amount of times we've given up commanding leads in that ice, it is just good to see us close it out. Yeah, I think the uh, early, the sort of the manner in which we we scored in the first period uh, set the tone. Th- those kinds of goals on the road, catching Bruder cold after thirty seconds with a great finish from Kieran Long. Um, I think Cooper's finish for two 0 right at the death in the first period was really lovely. He. Uh, he, he, I don't know if you saw the replay, but he makes the water bottle levitate. I've seen the water bottle get popped a lot, but the, the bottle just kind of lifts a foot off the air. 
suspends there for about 20 seconds and come back down again. A great position and uh, and well done under pressure for Coop. But going in after the first uh, after the first period with that 2-0 lead um, will settle the nerves a little bit. Um, but I, I come back to what I say. I think the, the, the difference between this and, and other seasons, whenever we've come away with nothing from that first trip there, was just our willingness to play for the dirty goal, our willingness to press high in the zone and get in Bruder's face and and uh, and be around the crease whenever there there were opportunities. Um, I, I think that um the the, th- the three 0 goal actually in the second period, Colby McCauley's goal is the perfect example of that mad scramble. Bruder's trying to get a hand on it, um, and really at that point in the game, the dirty goal is what you need. But um, no, listen, brilliant, brilliant start to to the weekend. Um, didn't end so well, but uh, but that's a a nice a nice win to get on the road um, in a difficult building. I did feel for for Shoisy when he took that you know, that that puck to the face. I thought yeah. you know when um, it seemed to be pretty nasty, a lot of blood coming from it, and hopefully, it, hopefully not too much damage. Um, we'll come to the game on Saturday in just a second. I know that he was on the the sheet, but I don't think we saw him very much. Um, but ultimately, you have to put the effort in in Manchester, and we did that. And for a change, despite despite one of the big negatives being. An incredibly long queue at the bar, which has got absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And that's the first time in what. And honestly, the queue stretched all the way to the bar and halfway up the concourse, just whatever you call a concourse, if that's what you call it in Manchester. But uh, I, yeah, something needs to be done there. Sorry for your trouble. Sorry to hear that. Sorry, David. What were you going to say? Just be nice. Come be on. Nice. We, can't, we can't all have, you know, 20 concessions and. But what I'm saying is, fell from the bottom and all. What I'm saying is, I've never, I've never, more more. I've never been, uh, I've never been in Manchester where I've seen it so, uh, so bad. Though I will give him credit, that's the largest crowd I've seen for a Belfast Giants game in a long time. No doubt, you know, the big team are in town, but yeah. the, uh, but that, but the, uh, the that, that Friday night. Maybe on the back of the, of the fireworks that took place against the Sheffield Steelers a week before, but that is definitely the largest crowd I've seen for a Belfast Giants game in um, in Manchester for a long, long time. So, uh, so credit to the lads there getting the, getting the people through the door. Uh, the highlights from that game are available, of course, through our good friends at Manchester Storm TV, commentated on by our good friend John O'Bullard. We also commented on the next game. The Belfast Giants travels just down the uh, just over the Pennines down the road. It's about, it's about three and a half, two and a half, three hours to drive from here to here to Nottingham to take on the Nottingham Panthers in the NIC for the first time this season. Unfortunately, it didn't go the way we wanted it. I did say to John O'Bullard after the game Manchester we were talking about, I said I hate going into the NIC. Because he was he was nervous about the Giants going in. I said I hate going into the NIC and so it proved a five-four win. For the Nottingham Panthers, Brady Levine, Ferrara, Kelso, and Welishek, Welishekka, Brett, Welishekka. Just keep trying. Throw another few drafts. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to contact John and find out. Um, But for the Giants, uh, Scott Conway, Kieran Long with his second in as many days, David Goodwin and Colby McCauley. With regards to goalkeepers. Not a great start for uh, Peyton Jones. Lasted 20 minutes, nine shots against, three goals against. He was replaced by Jackson Whistle, who played 38 minutes, uh, 21 shots against, two goals against. And the other side, Jack Barry, 41 shots against, four goals against. Tom Perring and Andrew Miller were the two uh, referees for that game. Joel, um, the terrible opening period. The Giants just weren't at the races. 
Yeah, and that Nottingham crowd was up for it too. Um, they're, they're, that was very, very loud. You could tell that that the uh, one of those nights when the ice tilts away very quickly. Um, uh, to, and, and Damien, you'll hate me for saying it, but to their credit, the the Panthers opening couple of goals. Um, actually, to be fair, their first three goals were very good goals. You know, their um, Brady's finish for the first was very nice. Uh, Le- Levin uh, absolutely rips one on the power play for 2-0 um, and then Luke Ferrara I think gets his first goal in a, in a Panthers uniform um, on the backhand for, for that 3-0 now I think critically here we respond Scott Conway responds straight away after that 3-0 goal they're still getting the, the sort of goal announcement out whenever Cons rips that, that response and it's those goals at pivotal moments that win you games on the road it was the same as Manchester and uh, getting that early goal getting that goal at the, at the end of the first and we had a, a terrible first period. We uh, grew somewhat into uh, the game in the second period, but we had a puck off the bar. We had Barry denying Colby McCauley with what was a really, really nice stick save in the second period as well. So this is a game of fine margins. You know, the Giants, all they need to do is be within a goal or two heading into the third period, and there's always a way back. I saw a lot of sort of grumbling on Twitter about our, our performance and about it being toothless and about nobody really looking like they wanted to be there. But never count this team out going into that last 20 minutes. How many times have we had these stressful Sundays where, you know, you, you, you see us kind of mount these comebacks? Th- that on any other night could have been a Giants win. Um, if, if you look at that that phenomenal save uh, from Barry on McCauley and also the fact that we hit the bar, Steve Ory hit the bar in the first period. Um, so like one of those nights, you, you can't win them all, especially on the road. But um, I, I definitely am not with the doomsayers uh, about this game. Uh, I think, Davey, after the first period, I was fuming, to be honest with you. I thought I didn't think that we were at the races. I didn't think we were in this game. Had I been there, I'd probably be even more angry. But yeah. the as the game progressed, and especially coming into that third, that, that sort of anger subsided in the actual bit of pride. I think um, for another five minutes in the game, I think it was Dan Green maybe mentioned if the Giants had had one or two more bodies in the bench and another five minutes, the game could have been very different because, boys, that ice was tilted in that third period. You know, we came roaring back into that game and, mm-hmm. and, and but for some, you know, wasteful finishing, some bars and pipes and some good goaltending, mm-hmm. things could have been a whole lot different. You know, I think we give them, we give them, when I say we give them, they, they got into a lead and when you give decent teams a lead, um, not saying that I think we did give them the lead, mate. I, I, I think I, that's the right thing to say. I think, I think the first one we get caught with the old, I think it's um, Coops maybe gets caught from behind. We don't quite get it deep, and there's a line change, and then you're chasing the you know, the guys are all coming on the ice from the line change. Everybody just gra- naturally levitates, get to the puck, get to the puck as quick as you can, and everybody stacks that right wing. and uh, and the, the, the Panthers player coming off the bench comes on down the left wing and, and has an. Um, you know, it's more or less an open net on, on Peyton Jones to shoot into. Second one, power play, okay, penalty kill. We're letting a little bit tired, and it goes right to left, and again, blocker side on Peyton, it's 2-0. There's somebody, I can't, can't think who it is, just off the top of my head, goes down on the right knee to block the shot, and maybe that just takes his eyes off for a wee bit, and it's 2-0. And then, actually, Peyton Jones comes up with an absolutely key um one on none breakaway. See if the it could have been three nil, and, and then you're you're out of the game completely. So he keeps it on at two one, and and then you know, Con's obviously coming back with that really quick reply to make it three one. I'm just reading my notes in, and then when West comes in, it's four one. You know that first shot on West from from the top of the slot as well. It's unlucky. There's there's seven bodies in between him and and, yep. and the and the puck. So you know there, there's mitigations for everything. Four two. Come back into the game with another um, one longer, getting in the crease in the power play to make it 4-2. And all of a sudden, then 
that that fifth for them was the killer. We left ourselves too much to do at that stage. And yes, we came roaring back in. You you know, let's go down. And Kevin Rain wasn't there. Butcher was out. Soise didn't play. Coops went out hurt. You've Will Cullen playing right wing. And, and by the way, Cully could have made it five each right at the death. Did oh, really, really so. well. I uh, thought he did very well. Bomber missed as well. Kel Beattie playing on D with, with Mark Garside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sam Roop. I, I think Sam, um, I, I look it up here, but Sam played over half, or, you know, there was three or four guys playing half an hour. You know, they're playing <clears> half <throat> the game. They're playing every other shift in this game. Must be exhausted. Hopefully got Monday, Tuesday, maybe even today, tomorrow off as well. There'll be some tired bodies there. And, you know, no excuse organisation. We always say that. But, you know, you mitigate. We were down bodies here against the full strength team in their own barn and we came within a whisker of of taking something out of the game. Um that 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 goal at five three, you know, brought us roaring back into it. I think Matt Foley comes in with a shot it might have been gonna be tip where we, we redeflect re- redirect off Goody in front to make it five three. And we roared at them for the last ten months of games. Say the ice was tilted. We could have got something out of that game. Unfortunately for us we probably left ourselves just a little bit too much to do in the game from that first period. It all probably stems from the first to be honest. And that's not being critical. You know, you've talked about Peyton coming out of Nets and Jackson coming in. You know, you don't levy everything in your goaltender every time. So, you know, as a team, we didn't do enough in the first period to win that game. The game last 60 minutes. And unfortunately, coming off our, a real good 60-minute performance the night before, we just couldn't really put three strong periods together. But, you know, I think we take an awful lot out of that third period and, and going forward, especially so short-bodied and just hope the boys can rest up this week and, and, and get a few of those boys that just are just a hundred percent fit, get them, you know, more towards a hundred. And I think we'll be all right. I, not in Panthers wouldn't worry me. Uh, and it's, we'll go on probably to talk about the challenge cup. Um, and I'm withdrawing them over two legs, you know, <laughs> they're to scud it there to um, probably <laughs> have to eat humble pie in months to come or whatever, but it wouldn't be a fixture that I'd be really worried about. I think, you know, look, looking at the game, especially looking at that third period, and I, I, you know, my wife will attest that I nearly did something very stupid, which is my head in my hands at the end of the second period, and I was just like, I, I don't think I could watch this third the way the the way that things are going here at the minute. And she says, "Wise up, will you stick it on, to keep it on there?" So I kept yes, it on, and, and as the third yeah. and as the third period went on, I started to get more and more. It's like, God, God, screaming at the TV, <laughs> you know, and and more and more belief because, like you said, I thought as a third period, considering how many bodies we were down in that third period. Coming away from it, Joel, just to start to wrap things up, we're coming away from it. I don't think that Omar Pasha and Guy Graham, despite the actual, despite the scoreline, despite the two points, will be at all pleased with what happened in that third period. No, you're. It wasn't the it wasn't the play of a championship team to to let us on a on a night whenever we've had such a terrible start. Whenever the Panthers, to be fair to them, have been offensively very good in that first period. I think they took their goals well. They had a a, a game kind of on their stick there. You know, at, at the half hour mark, they're leading five two. Um, that's a game at home on a Sunday with a big crowd roaring you on that you probably should be you know tying up comfortably they still did they still got the two points um but i would be looking for uh for a bit more domination if, if i was those boys i'm sure they're not going to sniff at having two points on the board against the champ champs but listen um I'd, I'd be looking for more personally if that's any consolation <laughs> <laughs> we've, got matt, we've got we've got matt foley waiting the wings here but before we before we come down just a quick because obviously we've we're quite a bit into the um 
I'll just take that out. We're, we're quite a bit into the season at the minute. I'm just have a quick look at the way that the the table is standing after those games. Uh, Guildford Flames <clears throat> top sixteen play twenty seven. Steelers fourteen play twenty three. Blaze fifteen <laughs> play twenty one. Cardiff sixteen play twenty one points. Belfast Giants thirteen played twenty points. Nottingham Panthers thirteen point played twelve points. Sixteen played for the Flyers twelve points. Dundee sixteen played ten points. Manchester thirteen played nine, and uh, the Glasgow clan obviously with their problems still sixteen played five points. And one of the points I made on the conversation I had with actually with uh, with Omar Pasha is that they need Nottingham needed to be very careful. And I know they did they went on to lose to five, but they need to be very careful in that sort of five to six. Dave, there's a little bit of a gap starting to already appear there. I have to be honest with you, Paddy. Even as someone that does the stats for the club, this is the first time I've looked at the league table this season. That's the first time I've seen it. Um, I tend not to until there's at least 10 games in. We're obviously yeah. over 10 games, but yeah, I understand. It, it's what, it, well, yeah, it's th this is a funny old league. You can just take care of your business. And I suppose when you look down the percentage points, 77% percentage points after 13 games is a good return. Um, for a vast majority of a team that's coming off a difficult CHL tournament, um, coming through adversity with injuries and stuff. So, you know, we're only building, we're only, this is only eight, nine, ten, ten weeks into a lot of new guys in this team. And to be sitting where we are, yeah, we're fitting the table, games in hand, points to who wants them, games in hand, points to bag that old chestnut. But, you know, if you look over right over the right hand column, say if you've 77% of the points on the board, take that all day long for where we are and you know this this road trip we talked about it last week the next few weeks are all going to be pivotal but two points in september is important as two points in february as the league table is so i'm not too worried about that league table at the minute you know i wouldn't be worried that you know seven points off the top sounds like oh no we're miles behind but actually in terms of what you're saying but there is there is now a chunk of chunk of change between us and the panthers which is always good to see and uh you know week by week Shift by shift, boys, and it's it's still very early days. Joel, you know, you see, obviously, Guildford have played more games than anybody else alongside alongside the Cardiff Devils. You know, um, but um, they've they've three losses like ourselves, but on an overtime, this sort of pushes them on that percentage point a little bit higher. But ultimately, the chance will be looking to sort of creep up that table with 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 the wins. Yeah. The only thing that I look at typically, to be honest, in any sport, whether it's my football or hockey, uh, the table for me is a broad indicator of pace. See this side of Christmas, all I'm looking for is us to be broadly on pace. Um, you, you look at the fact that you know I, I would like to think you know what we'll take care of the games in hand once we get up to 16 games. That would theoretically put us a point off the Guildford Flames. That's no issue at all. You know, this side of Christmas, all you need to see is that you're you're on pace to be a front runner. Also, have to hand it to the Guildford Flames because people thought that would be a flash in the opening couple of weeks. But and it's still early, but they are still putting wins on the board, scoring a lot of goals, and uh, and denying a lot of people right now. I think Championship medal shows itself in the new year whenever the Elite League schedule gets a bit wild and um, and you got to go along with uh, you know injuries mounting up and, and it's a it's a relentless year. Um, but you have to hand it to them because <clears throat> I've had some conversations this year where. Um, the elite league can be a little bit predictable you know it sort of shakes out similar every year um, and it's nice to actually see someone else actually making a proper challenge of it and i mean that i still hope we trail them up and down both the spectrum and the sse but it's quite nice to see teams like the coventry blaze and um, you know teams that you know are, are generally mid-table teams you know the nottingham panthers the cardiff devils it's nice to see them winning here and there as well
think <laughs> I think I think in the back of Paddy, Joel's right. I've said it for years and years. First of January is important to have a wee look at the table, flick your eye over it on the first of January and see where you are. If you've had a good Christmas period, yeah. you're in the hunt, you're at the top end of the table. It was Jordan Boucher said last year about the dog days in February, you know, it starts to get to the grind then. If you can get pushed through that grind and you come out towards the end of February and you're a contender and then you see what your championship medal is, how good your goaltending is, how good your defence yeah. is, team defence, and then you've got premium level forwards in this team that can go and win games. You've got quality defence that can shut teams out and you've got quality forwards then go on and win and that'll push us on towards. you. We're going to be contenders. I don't think that anybody would argue with that throughout the league fan base. So um, we always are. Like, what's that? Yeah, we we're, always we're are. Perenni- we're we're perennial, you know, true. contenders. We have been for over twenty years, and and that's not going to change when you've got a, a coach and a setup like we've got. But you know, as of November the the fifteenth, terrible day for Northern Ireland. But North November the fifteenth. But um, you know, we're we're right in the hunt. The highlights from that game are from Panthers TV with John O'Bullard. Tell you the man's getting all the jobs. He's getting all the jobs. Good man. Right. Had to mute him. Had to mute him. To be honest, whenever um, their Barry came up with that, that he was enjoying save. it. You were enjoying those enjoying goals, John. You, know, you know you were. I, you, you and me were enjoying that save. I didn't even you, think you, it was a great save. You and me were on the on the WhatsApp with. Um, he's got the paddle down well, but like physics dictates, you cannot sh- raise a backhand shot with your stick fully extended, one handed. I'd nope. like to see the guy that does it. Pretty. Austin Matthews, maybe take him aside. Connor you know, Simon Kitchen can probably do it too, but apart from says, you know, most likely, the, and not too many in the world in the game, you know, but uh, decent save, not world class. <laughs> right. So let's get, let's move on, gentlemen, to the fan agenda brought to you by our good friends at Belfast Giants TV. We're delighted to be joined with one of the newer faces in the Belfast Giants, the D man. And with the NCAA uh, Friendship Four coming up next week, uh, a man who went to Yale. Let's talk, let's have a chat to Matt Foley. How are you doing, Matt? How's it going, guys? Yeah, but a good Matt Red Sox. Oh no, love not another Boston Red Sox. I'd love to see that. What a guy. Oh, it's, well, as it's, I was it's, saying, it's Matty, been, my favorite Belfast been, giant this year is Matt Foley. It's been lovely chatting to Matt Foley. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> talk, I don't even know what you are talking about. Don't worry about it, talking. mate. Don't worry about it. The uh, anyway, sorry. Matt, Let's get started with your reflections on the weekend. Uh, I win in Manchester and then obviously coming just short in Nottingham. Yeah, I mean, frustrating to leave points on the board in Nottingham for sure. Um, but really fun third period to be part of as a player, um, to come out and, and kind of respond to the challenge the way we did. Um, that, was, that was fun to be a part of. You want to win. You want to win every game you play. No doubt about that. But... Uh, you know, all things considered, that was at least left us with some encouragement as we finished off the weekend. And, you know, we got the win away at Manchester. Uh, so we want more, of course, but all things considered, we're we're heading into a good week of practice and getting ready for Sheffield. That third period in Nottingham, you know, with, with bodies heading to the treatment table and, and, and the bench starting to sort of disappear, the odds are against you, but then the momentum takes a swing. What's that like? What's that like when you see the momentum swing and, you're, and you see that Nottingham are holding on for dear life? Yeah, I mean, the, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the two goals in the third happened fairly close to one another. And there was still plenty of time on the clock still. So that that's when you're really starting to think, okay, wow, we can do this. This would be a you know, one of those special games to be a part of, you know, come back on the road, short bodies. 
Um, so at that point, you're like, wow, this is this is within grasp, and you're really chasing it. And their crowd, you can feel their energies shifting a little bit. They're a little more nervous, and um, a lot of like oohs and ahs as those pucks are just like whizzing across the goal line, and you're not sure how they're not going in. Um, so literally until the buzzer, you just had a sense that like, okay, we're going to get that next one. We're going to get that next one. We're going to get that next one. And you just kept chasing it. So a uh, bit of an adrenaline rush. It's fun. It's exciting. Um, and yeah, just we just missed it. We were, we were talking earlier there, Matt, just about the attrition on the bench. Obviously, guys going down hurt, guys not playing because they were hurt. And, and a, lot of a lot of time on ice for guys, you know, 30 minutes plus for, for some of the guys. Playing every other shift, Will Cullen playing as a forward. Is that fun to see, like, you know, one of your day partners jumping up there and playing on the wing at times? Yeah, no, that's uh, – anytime you get, like, a little change like that, it's fun. And, um, you know, it creates something for the bench to get behind, you know, like especially as a D-man when one of your guys is up front, you're, like, cheering for him every shift because if anyone's going to score, you want it to be a D-man. Um, and, he's, you know, he's doing what he does. He's always out there making plays, so he's unleashed a little bit up front and – you know, he created a lot for us. He had a couple chances. He almost scored one. And, uh, yeah, that brings a lot of energy to the bench for sure. Same thing, though, when, you know, Longer or he comes back to the D side. Like, anytime a guy has to, you know, step up for the boys, it, it creates some energy. Uh, Matt, you, you come to Belfast after spending two seasons in, in the coast uh, with Wheeling Nailers, 60 appearances there, um, and also a, a few, a few call-ups to the AHL also. Um, it's always interesting to me that the comparisons between the leagues, you know, people talk about the standard of hockey getting kind of closer and more similar to the coast every year. Um, but but in terms of the two experiences, you know, the, the coast is known for those brutal kind of bus trips, being on the road a lot, um, you know, high turnover of players. What What's your experience like in Belfast versus those last couple of years? Um, with, with wheeling yeah i think that's one of the things you just mentioned with the turnover like the fact that i after i've been here since august so three months now with the same group you know yeah. it, it's it's a little more familial it feels it reminds me a little more of my days of playing college hockey where you have the same guys in the same locker room and, and it's very much winning oriented um in the coast and even in the american league like it's it's it can be individually driven. It's guys chasing the next level. So everybody wants to go up. No one's complacent, right? I mean, unless you're in the NHL, you're playing North America, how could you be? So, um, you know, you have that aspect of guys having personal success and getting called up or, you know, vice versa, guys going yeah. through adversity and going down. And even as an individual yourself, you have to focus on your play and making sure you're in a situation to, you know, go up or, or stay, not go down. It's so really it can become a bit individually driven. We're here. Um, like I compared to college, it's like, okay, these are the guys in this room. Everyone's going to accept a role. And the most important thing is winning a championship. So um, that's, re it's refreshing to be back into that, you know, team oriented culture. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think that's the, the question I was just going to ask on the back of that, Matt, is the fact that when you're in the AHL and you've got that sort of, that sort of, what's the word? You don't want you don't want to be sent down. You're trying. You're always trying to get up. As is everybody around you. You know, how do you find the sort of team ethos in that when ultimately you're all battling for places? Right, and it's. I mean, I think everybody in hockey understands that individual success almost always follows team success. So if you're focusing on winning and, you know, doing the right things to help your team win, yeah, everybody will come out the other way looking good just because of the team success. Um, but at the same time, like, 
you know, for me, when I'm in the HL on a PTO, I'm like, I'm one mistake away from going down to the coast. So I'm like yeah. very much focused on making sure I'm, I'm doing okay. So yeah. you know, if I'm on the bench and I'm, you know, far away from the ice and a goal against happens, it doesn't completely deflate you as much versus when you're on the ice. But here, when it's more team oriented, it doesn't matter who's on the ice. It doesn't matter who messes up or who does something good. It's, you know, you're a group and it's a little more group thinking. I... Richie, who signed for um, Nottingham this week, did, did a did a similar interview on what we're talking about here, and he says like nobody ever dreamt when they were growing up of winning the Calder Cup. You know, when you go to the AHL, you have a goal is to to move up. You don't want to go down; you want to go up. And you know, if success comes, even when you go for a playoff run, you're not really that bothered because at that stage you're hoping to get you know, will you get a bit of a Stanley Cup run or whatever? Is it nice to almost come to Belfast and know that? <laughs> Bar you don't take it seriously or you don't train or you're not doing something right. You know, you, you're there for the season almost. It's not a guy. You certainly don't have a guaranteed place, but you've got a little bit more security than what you have in those AHL, the coast. You know, there's a, there's a little bit there and, and you're playing at a team that is playing for a championship every night. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, as far as the people who you're playing for and who you have to keep happy, it's, you know, it's the guys around you, it's your teammates and it's one set of coaches. And it's like, if you do what they ask, and you're going to be okay versus, you know, when you're in the East Coast League or the American League, it's sometimes it's like, okay, am I putting up enough stats to get noticed? Am I, you know, who's watching tonight? Are they going to be impressed with me? Like, all I have to worry about is, you know, what my coaches think of me and what my teammates think of me and, you know, what I think of myself. If I, can, if I can check those boxes, I don't have to get caught up in, you know, stats and ice time and whether I'm on the power play. It's just about – you know, doing my role to the best of my ability to give our team a chance to win. And so, hi, sorry, 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 Joel, just before you go, hi, are you going with taking all those boxes at the minute? How are you feeling with all those things? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think I'm playing well. I, I don't think I've played my absolute best hockey yet, um, which is encouraging in a way. Um, but no, I think myself and I think most of the guys will feel like they've, they've they played well so far this year, and all of us maybe have even a higher level to hit. It's a fascinating conversation, and it's a shame that we have to run like an hour and hour and a bit on the show because I could sit and talk about that kind of thing uh, mm. forever and ever. But if we flip it back to prior to um, your, your time in the coast and in the A, um, Patty referenced it there. You, you had four years at Yale playing NCAA D1 hockey. Um, you were selected to the ECAC All-Academic Team in each of your four years at Yale, um, and you were also part of the 2018 Yale Bulldogs team who came over to the SSC Arena and played in the Friendship Four. So obviously you, you join a long list of, of former Giants and former league guys now, um, most notable of which in previous years would have been Darcy Murphy um, from Colgate. Uh, what, what was the Friendship Four experience like, first of all? Was that your first experience of playing overseas? And, and how did you, uh, how, how did Belfast match up to your expectations of, of traveling to play hockey? Uh, it was my first time playing overseas. Um, and yeah, I don't think I knew really what to expect as far as yeah. you know, what kind of hockey experience Belfast was going to be. I had heard good things about the tournament, um, but like I had no idea what to expect out of, you know, fan engagement or yeah. what kind of hockey culture existed in Northern Ireland. I was completely oblivious. Um, so when I got here and, you know, the crowds in those in that tournament is, is, is really good. Like there's yeah. some school days, the little guys are out there and they're filling yeah. up stands. It's like, it's an incredible atmosphere. And then, you know, that tournament, I think if you were to ask most of my teammates, most of our memories are off the ice because 
I'm not sure if it was, you know, the tournament administrators or, or, you know, my coaching staff and hockey ops guys, but the experience in general was, was a blast. Like everything we did was fun. And, you know, the meals, you know, we did some ceremonies throughout town. We got to walk around the Christmas market. It was just like an incredible, like incredible weekend. Like we still talk about that trip earlier this week. Uh, I was in a group chat on Instagram and guys were sending the Instagram story was still archived on the Yo hockey page. That's unreal. We were sending it back and forth and just like laughing, like seeing guys in Ireland and Northern Ireland. It's, you don't get to do stuff like that a ton in college, right? I mean, it's the same, it's the same rinks, same hotels every year. again. And then you get this, you know, one week where you get to go to Belfast and Dublin as well. And do that with all your best friends, you know, in those college years, it's, those, those are experiences you don't forget. Patty, there's nothing I can ask that's going to top that as a, as a, a recollection and a memory of the Friendship Four. I'm done. That, that was lovely. Really, really. It's lovely <laughs> to hear. It's lovely to hear from that perspective. Very eloquently put as well. Um, I think that, you know, if, if you ask the, 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 the organizers of the Friendship Four and the Odyssey Trust, the thing that they almost most want to do is leave an imprint socially, both on the young people that the players go and visit and interact with, but also on those young athletes that are often coming overseas and playing for the first time. And to hear that kind of first uh, first account or first hand account sorry of, of that actually happening is really lovely that's that's class i, well, I, I have nothing I'll be, better to add i'll be completely honest my freshman year we played a thanksgiving tournament in at notre dame yeah and went out there for that weekend playing the tournament it was fun sure whatever sophomore year we have nothing over thanksgiving no tournament so i'm allowed to go home and spend thanksgiving with yeah. my family which is a big deal in america of course so junior year, I find out we have a Thanksgiving tournament, and I'm like, and I knew it was in Belfast, and it didn't matter. My initial reaction was like, "Oh, come on!" <laughs> like, I just want to go home and get that break from hockey and that yeah. break from school, and go home, spend time with my family, like see all my friends. Like the the night before Thanksgiving in the in the states is like the biggest bar night of the year. Yeah, complete blast, and it's like, yeah, oh, so bummed out and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. Like the minute the minute we got home from the trip, I was like, I was so wrong about that. Like that was a bummer. <laughs> Phew, glad to hear it. <laughs> um, was there was there any of the sort of that hangover wrong terminology, but was there any of the trip to Belfast that helped uh, make your decision to come back to Belfast any easier? Oh yeah, for sure. Um I had gotten like a firsthand look at how, how great of a rink it was, how nice the players area was, the facilities. Um, you know, you just, I didn't get to see a game, but you just, by walking around the rink and being part of that kind of environment, you can get an understanding of what kind of organization it was. Like, yeah. I knew it was a class organization because I, I, I'd seen it with my own eyes, or at least the, the ice surface and all that. Um, and I'd seen the city. So I knew the city was a blast and, uh, and I knew how professional the Giants seemed from that experience. So, you know, we we also I th- were kind of briefed on like the history of the Giants. And I, and I knew some of the players who had come with like great pro careers and ended up here. And I'm like, even I think at that moment, I think a majority of my team was would have been like, I'd come here in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two years later, I get the opportunity to and it was like, oh, how fast. 
And I think I think the guys have the Friday. I might be wrong. I think we play Saturday and Sunday, so I don't know if Friday's a travel day or Friday's a day off. But if Friday's a day off, a few is going to go down to the rink and, and take some of the games in. I think we're going to be able to catch one day of games. Yeah, so it probably is that Friday. Yeah, it is. You looking forward? You looking forward to that? To seeing the sort of like obviously having played in that to see some other kids come through and enjoy the way you did. Absolutely, and um, you know, a lot of those teams are have some particular relevance to me. Like Quinnipiac's coming over, they're they're a big rival of us at Yale because our schools are like five to ten miles apart. Um, so Quinnipiac was like a big game for us, and then UMass Amherst is kind of in my backyard from my hometown in Western Massachusetts, and uh, I know uh, Coach Carvel a little bit. I've crossed paths with him just because of that, and. Uh, my sister went there, so you know, there's there's a little bit of UMass Amherst pride um, in my family. So Dartmouth, another Ivy League school, um, and then UMass Lowell, where I was able to play at their rink a couple times in college. So I have a little bit of a connection to all the teams, them being all from the Northeast. So um, a little bit, a little bit particular, interesting for me. We're, we're we're really looking forward to it here. Obviously, it's been going since what 2015. It's been a tournament that we've really enjoyed from day one. That we didn't, I guess, we didn't know what to expect when when it when it first cranked up. But I don't think there's, you know, there's a better tournament than hockey in in, in these islands. It's a wonderful thing. Next weekend, flying back, can't wait for it. I'm going to go just now quickly to a couple of questions that have come in from likes of Twitter and people who are watching on. A quick one from Neil here, just basically asking. How's he finding the weather compared to Tucson? <laughs> it's pretty it's much a bit the same. different, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I'm missing that Tucson weather for sure. <laughs> Obviously, you you were there for a little while. It's a, an interesting place, especially down in Arizona to play. You, it's one of these places, you know, hot weather, but a, but a, but a nice sport. And but it's but it's um must be a real. You know, they talk about Belfast being a, a different sort of hockey community and a, a different sort of place to play hockey. I'm sure, like when you go to like Texas or Arizona, it's the same thing. Yeah, I'd actually think that the the Belfast, um, as like a city and community, it's, it's, it has a bit of a better hockey culture than Tucson. Um, well, it's nice for me for Tucson as I was there from January to April. So like mm. brutal months of weather in West Virginia and in the Northeast. So I got to yeah. skip all that last year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, out of PTO, we, got, we get put up on a hotel that have a pool with a patio. <laughs> So I could get out of practice and I could just go like lay down on a, on a pool chair and chill. So that was nice. Um, but no, I, I well, would you get say to take the standing line ferry to Fife. So you know, <laughs> it's no, the, yeah, the travel was nice. It was, was nice in Tucson. We're we're playing in we're playing in Vegas or LA, and we're far enough yeah. that we have to fly and stay over the night before and the night after. So some fun road cities as well. Um, but no, I think hockey culture wise. Uh, Belfast, I would I would say Belfast has more engagement than Tucson did. Wow. One here from uh, from Shauna saying, "How was playing in the CHL? Is there anything that's actually shocked you about playing in the Elite League?" Um, so as far as playing in the CHL, that was honestly like almost like it's not something I think as a kid I said, "Oh, I want to play in the CHL one day," but as I got older, um, I think it kind of was like a, like a dream realized, you know, just to play at such a high level versus some of the most prestigious teams in Europe, you know, to play at AC Davos in that rink, yeah. to play SHL team. Like those were, those were things that maybe I didn't think was going to be possible when I'm playing in the coast 
two years ago. So that like, it's just from a pure hockey standpoint, you know, meant a lot. And then just, uh, I mean, I thought we did pretty good. Like we held up against these teams pretty well. And I think that was really exciting, kind of motivating for the season. Like, Oh, wow. We got a, we got a hell of a group here. And what about the elite league? Is there anything when you've come in that's sort of a, a surprise you a little? I think the first thing that jumps out to you is the intensity every night. Um, and that's just because of the format, right? With the regular season games. I think you guys mentioned it right before I hopped on, like two points in November is the same as two points in, in yes, April. Yep. And that's the reality of it. And but that's a reality that I've never faced before. You know, in the in the I would say North America, the general mindset is like you have an identity and you try to play to it each and every night. And but you don't get too caught up in results because you hope if you play the right way over the course of the season, things will average out, you'll be okay. You'll get your playoff seating, and then and then the intensity raises. Um, but here, you can't look at it that way. Like yeah, no nights off. No nights off at all. No, and, and yeah. results truly do matter every single night. So it's like it's playoffs now. <laughs> yeah, it's, so, it's, and, it's a solid it's, six months of it, man. Yeah, and it, shows, <laughs> and it shows up every night, and it's you know that's there'll be there'll be games in the East Coast League like that. Sunday of a three and three and just guys are out for a rip. Yeah. <laughs> you can just feel it. Like everyone's like, okay, let's just get through this one. Um, but no, not here. And last one, last one from Twitter, just uh, Alan Brett asking who's the best player you've played against and with. In here this year or. No, it's, uh, in, it's in your career. career. I'm pulling up as well. Expire and Tucson uh, rosters here. <laughs> the best player I've, I've ever played with is, is uh jeremy davies he's a defenseman um in buffalo Sabres organization right now i think he's in rochester he's played some games in the hl um i played with him in juniors in the ushl he was a complete beast then he was probably better in college like just a complete glitch um he's had a good <laughs> Um, best player I've played against. I know I'm. I know I'm going to say the wrong guy, and I'm going to hang up and regret this. <laughs> it's fine. We can add on any extras next week. Um, best player I've played against. I played against. New section to the. New section to the podcast. I'm actually podcast, glad. I, I, I thought of, remembers. I, I thought of the correct answer for this. I played against Kale McCarr in college. All right, and, that's uh, that's fair. Not, not, not Mark Garside. Mark Garside wasn't mentioned there at all, David. <laughs> my favorite defensive partner of my career. Life. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly it, man. That's just, exactly uh, it. Does does the simple thing has a bullet of a shot? You know, that's just that's, that's just it. Gary, isn't it? So, what more do you want? Uh, my my tenuous Belfast Giants link from Matt Foley is that you played with uh, Mike Pellich in Wheeling, brother, yeah. younger brother of uh, former Giants captain Matt Pellich. Um, you, you were 60 appearances with Wheeling. Did you play alongside Mike much? Yeah, so he was my he was there my first year, which was the COVID year. Oh uh, yeah, okay. When you talk about roster turnover in the East Coast League, that year was insane. Yeah, I think we went through like 75 player cards. So that means 75 different players came through the locker room that year. It's a new team every night. Literally, it was insane, yeah. and that was the year that uh, that I played with Pelly. But I had a good run with him early in the year where we were together, um, and like he's a very well respected player in North America. Like, yeah. 
tons of games pro, tons of yep. success. Um, so as a rookie, to be able to learn from a guy like that was great. He's still going. He's with the glads now. Sorry, I'm done, Paddy. I'm done. I'm yeah, just so having a nice Matt, time. Listen, we're going to let you have your yeah, We're going to let you have your <laughs> night, Mac. Listen, we really enjoyed chatting to you. We really enjoyed. It. Just quickly, obviously, two big games this weekend. Our first foray to Sheffield. Our first battle against who potentially could be a real rival for a, for a title in the Sheffield Steelers. We obviously seen what how um how Saturday went to Nottingham, and some guys need to rest up. How are preparations going for that weekend? Yeah, I mean, earlier in the week, it's it's been a lot of focus on rest and kind of getting prepared for the second half of the week to now we turn it up. You know, tomorrow's a big practice, Thursday and Friday. It's all about, you know, getting ready to go now. So the bodies are rested up and healed, and now we kind of attack the week. And this is a huge weekend. I mean, no way around it. We're going to Sheffield for two huge games. Fantastic, Matt. Listen, thank you very much for joining us. Good luck this weekend, and hopefully we'll chat to you again later in the season. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. I always realize when I play that ad that I think there's some people who listen to the audio only version of this and think we just play a little bit of little <laughs> bit of music just to fill. That was an ad for the that is an advert for the Friendship Four, which does take place next Friday and Saturday. Next week we will have uh, maybe a couple of coaches, a couple of captains from the from the teams that are taking part. And we're just lining up a couple of those interviews at the minute and a bit of a, a little bit of a preview as to what's in store and what is, like I said earlier, one of the if not the best tournament to take place in these islands of the guards to ice hockey massive thanks to matt foley for joining us there i yeah, really really fun. enjoyed that yeah really really good chat and a really good guy and, and very interesting if a very interesting if you know short pro career already but you know, but it, it, but obviously good things ahead for him um right joel yeah, uh, sorry about that. I forgot we were doing a podcast for a minute. I was just enjoying talking to him. <laughs> like just, you know it's <laughs> a good one whenever you just forget. That's, that's you good forget there's actually people sitting uh, watching this waiting for us to probably, they're probably meant to go to bed. Sorry. Anyway, your news really quickly. Um, this past week, and the, thank you, Aaron Murphy, for confirming it's the Via Sports. He uh, did. He sent, he, sent a me- he sent us a message saying uh, <laughs> to, to confirm how you said. What are you saying, Davey? You don't look happy about that? I don't know why you had to wait for Aaron Murphy to tell you. I told you last week. It was bad. <laughs> I did tell us last week, but um, I got to get it from Aaron Murphy. But thanks, Murph. Sorry. Thanks, Murph. Sorry. Murph, Sorry. Murph, Murph thanks for, thanks for confirming. What a say. He was listening to the podcast on his way to the game of the week, and he sent us a message saying it was via play. So, yeah. Really appreciate it. Somebody with a bit of culture waiting in. Uh, on Wednesday night, the Sheffield Steelers hosted the Coventry Blaze, needing the shootout to get their two points in a 5-4 win. On Friday, the five Flyers left Glasgow with a 2-1 win. On Saturday, the Dundee Stars got a big victory over the Cardiff Devils, winning 5-3, which will put a smile on Jeff Mason's face after a pretty turbulent week or so there. And the Glasgow clan continued to have a very bad time with a 6-2 loss to the Steelers in Yorkshire. On Sunday, the Flyers... <laughs> what happened to the Flyers on Sunday? Went full Hulk mode 
Uh, they battered the Panthers 6-1, obviously after they've been softened up by your Belfast Giants. Um, and the Devils bounce back with a 4-1 win over the Manchester Storm down in Cardiff Bay. And then the Challenge Cup, boys. A moment, uh, a moment of silence, please. It's my sad duty to report. The Challenge Cup group stages have come to an end. The, you're oh. talking about the greatest hockey tournament in these islands. Friendship 4 is the second greatest hockey tournament <laughs> after the Challenge Cup group stages. Uh, sadly, The most here arduous. On... No, not the best. The most arduous. <laughs> Here we are in mid-November and the Challenge Cup groups are over. The Blaze and Flames home and away double saw honours shared as the Blaze won 4-2 at home on Saturday night and the Flames took revenge with a 7-4 win at home on Sunday. Despite that, the Blaze held on to third seed as Group B winners. Let's not go into the quagmire that is seedings. And, oh, uh, I was just, la- I was just lining it up there for the crack. Nice. Well, I do actually have uh, the, the Challenge Cup knockouts then. Uh, we might as well run through them now that we have... Uh, the, the quarterfinal games now ready. Um, so with all via play Challenge Cup group stage games now finished, we'll never forget you Challenge Cup group stage. The final ranking of teams has been determined for the quarterfinals. The top seed, your undefeated Belfast Giants with that 100%, love to see that, will face the eighth seed Nottingham Panthers. Second seed, the Sheffield Steelers will take on seventh seed, the Cardiff Devils. Third seed, the Coventry Blaze will face sixth seed, the Guildford Flames. And the fourth seed, Five Flyers will play their friends from up the road. The fifth seed, Dundee Stars. And the dates for all of those games played over two legs, home and away, are to be announced very soon. Um, how, do, how do we feel? Can about- I just briefly say before you? Can I just briefly Absolutely. say before you go on? The actual looking at these seedings, it's like like a game of Dungeons and Dragons with the with the rule book for it. If any, like I said, I said on on Twitter during the week, if any tournament, if this shows anything, it's just it's a tournament in need of reform. But yeah. what I will say, I will say what the reform isn't. It's not bringing in NIHL teams. That's just yeah. that way. I, I know that there's a lot of very, very passionate NIHL fans who think that that should happen. But, you know, as, as our good friend uh, Anthony Russell says, if I want a cricket score, I'll watch cricket. <laughs> oh, boy. Can't wait for the tweets we're going to get. Can't wait. Just, well, I, I'll, I'll go back on it because me and Patty and TV's Neil Coach Russell were having a little chat about this the other day. And it is a little bit disparaging just to, to write a lot of these teams off because there is talent in the NIHL. And there we is, know certainly. That there's, certainly. There's, there's, two, there's a lot of EIHL two-way players generally guys that are dusting here or guys that are getting fourth line minutes three four shifts a game whatever um generally those really good nihl teams are still only one line deep you know they don't have the depth to compete against an eihl team and if you put your full firepower out i would expect the belfast giants to beat anything that comes up from that league we had the crossover league years ago when i was epl the- though was it different well, when the EIHL was a lot weaker as well, to be fair. That's true. Uh, and yes, you got the odd upset, but generally the you know the Giants ended up winning that crossover cup bowl, whatever was in the shops at the time. Stop, but, uh, stopping, stopping the Coventry Blazers Grand Slam, which was yeah, uh, which stop is the Grand right. Slam. That's right. I've got pictures to prove it. But the but 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 on that, you know, and I understand why there's obviously a passionate fan base in the NIHL who follow that and and, and they're fully behind right. the teams. And I'm not disparaging that in any way. But the, you know, the idea that the gap could be bridged in order to have some sort of tournament between and have them involved in a, maybe an FA Cup style tournament, it's a nice idea. But after one year, when you're seeing the likes, of, like you've already seen a lot of their fans saying. Well, you know, I think that the MK or Leeds could mix it up with Manchester or Fife. Well, that's great. 
But the tournament that most likely is the rest of the guys are going to be playing against Belfast, Nottingham, Sheffield, Cardiff. And then what we, we end up with a season where people just go, well, actually, that hasn't worked. And so unless, there needs to be a level where the EIHA and, and, and the NIHL have to start to build if they want to get into that. And that's there, there's going to be people watching this year, fans of that think that's just elite league arrogance. And yeah, maybe so, because we are watching a team that a league that is dominated by import players. But that's the league that we watch. That's the league that we enjoy. And we have British players that we're proud of. And and, and you can see the fruits of that are, are GB reaching the, the, the final, the top table in the in, in the World Championships. These are guys who have been through NIHL or through some sort of system. There's no gap in the middle. That's the thing. Guys are going to North America to sort of get that gap in the middle and coming back. But, you know, they are playing in the in the elite league, getting that time with, with the IHL and then going on to play in GB. So, yeah, ultimately, bad idea. Sorry, Joe. Uh, you know, you're okay. And direct those uh, hate tweets to at Patrick Smith on Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, no. sure you, yeah, 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 that's it. That's it. He's someone who really can't deal with confrontation on Twitter.com historically. So. Just, to, just, to, just to have my wife say to me, as she normally does, you've got that smile on your face like you're winding somebody up on Twitter. <laughs> sustains you uh let's keep it rolling here uh busy week for dops i don't know if you've got any footage for me patty but yeah, we'll dude, what do you want to start with three. uh we'll start with brett ferguson's uh hit yeah. on jack billings uh the hit to the yeah, head if that. you've got it there um on yeah. saturday night in coventry guilford flames for brett ferguson made an illegal check to the head on blaze forward jack billings earning him a fine and a one game suspension and um, ferguson delivers a hit on billings that cuts across the front of his core making his head the main point of contact we hear this a lot the, the angle of approach and how he'd come in dop says it's important to note that while there may be some that's brutal isn't it these are honestly as the more and more time goes the older i get the more i wince whenever i see hits like this um, it's important to note that while there may be some contact with Billings' body, the head is the main point of contact in this hit. Ferguson's shoulder hits through Billings' head. If Ferguson wants to deliver this hit legally, he must take an angle of approach that hits through Billings' shoulder and core, rather than one that cuts across the front of his body, making his head the main point of contact. We saw it in recent weeks with that hit from Davy Phillips, which obviously spilled over into uh, something the, the week after. Um, we have uh, we have something, unless you've, you've anything the ad boys, again, very uncomfortable to watch those kinds of hits. Lifts his shoulder into it as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's that elevation. At full tilt, I have no idea how that's a one-game ban. Uh, that's good, isn't it? So. When you look just two weeks ago, David Phillips took a two-game ban, correct? Two-game, yeah. Um, with no with no prior, you know, indiscretions on the sheet either. That's... Um, Sees where he's know. going. I, I think the rule book opens with... There is no the section about head shots. Is there is no such thing as a clean hit to the head. So there is no mitigation there. Um, players not even really cried over that much. He's targeted him. He's hit him with a shoulder. That's a you know shoulders probably slightly better. I don't know better than elbow or not. But that's a that's a bad hit. That's yep. a naughty hit. Um. And similarly, Paddy, if you're happy to move on on Sunday night yeah. in Guildford, um, Blaze forward Marley Quince was also penalised for an illegal check to the head on Flames forward Turner Ripplinger, also earning himself a fine and another one-game suspension. Um, if you've got the video there, Ripplinger attempts to make a breakout past the teammate from the half wall. After he moves the puck, Quince finishes a high check on Ripplinger. These ones with the sandwich, the boards are, are stinking as well. Um, a high check on Ripplinger that cuts across the front of his core, again, making the head the main point of contact. Same sort of angle of approach. Um, 
Kristoff says on this one, while Ripplinger does make a play on the puck, he does not change the position of his head or body just prior to contact in a way that significantly contributes to the head being the principal point of contact. Um, Quinson making this check cuts across the front of Ripplinger's body rather than heading into the left shoulder or the core. Yet again, if he wants to deliver this check, Quinson will stay low, take an angle of approach that hits through his core rather than one that makes the head the main point of contact. He also received a fine and a one-game suspension for this. Anybody on the other? Nothing to add here. I think you know if they, responsibility. The, the, Ferguson one, the Ferguson one's worse for me, but yeah, it the, looks more dramatic. Sorry, David. I think a responsibility is not to make that hit and that to the head, and and that I think that it's fair enough to make uh, to finish a check there, but you cannot target the head, and he has he's targeted yeah. the head there clearly. Um, and then <laughs> favorite favorite tops of the week. Uh, very short statement today on this one, and no video. Um, but Dobbs has fine video coming. Is, is there the Buddingham Panthers number 75, Mathieu Gagnon, for having a wee tantrum and cross checking that absolute bag out of Yannick during the game between the five flyers and Panthers on the 13th of November. He has not received a suspension, he has been fined. Uh, very funny video. Hopefully, Kivalati's okay. I'm not laughing if he's if he's hurt in any way, but that that is just a guy who sees red and goes for it there. Mm. And just full send. Um, there was a bit of a bit of needling today as well on Twitter that that Dops had sort of only find him not given a full statement and not given a video. Um, but goodness me, this is EIHL of old right here. He's upset. He's upset. And one and two. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's going to cause. It looks dramatic, but he's not going to cause injury in the same way as as a full speed hit to the head and open play. Um, it's more of a tantrum than anything, as long as Kevlady hasn't taken anything to the back of the head there. But just a just a fine, no suspension, and a very brief statement today on that one. I'm surprised there's no suspension on that, to be honest. Even just you know, one one game, not no much. I think David, we had a chat about this the other day, but I don't think there should be any more than one game. But I'm surprised it just ends up as a fine. Hmm. Yeah, just the, the accumulation there in inside ten seconds of three, two pretty hefty cross checks one it's just a little love tap you know um the last one there's nothing really in it um i can see on the night that i assume he took a penalty on the night he probably got five in game or something on the night for that but i think Do the five players come in that's all i know like if one one does at the end there after the last one i think somebody does come in after the second one the video just cuts i think uh, five players are coming in to give him a wee hug at least but um the first one it's it's not really clear what it started over no. And it's not really clear how severe that first one is. The second one doesn't look good here, and the third yeah, one's the third one's a bit unnecessary, almost. You know, <laughs> all three are all three are unnecessary. But yeah. I think he like like them all. I think that the first one should be more than one game. I think the second one's probably about right, and that third one, and plus or minus, could see a suspension or not. It doesn't really. I, like they, they're 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 what four nil down. I can't go back on the fact that I said last week if a team's getting embarrassed and they want to get a bit of an edge, you know they they have to show a bit of physicality, a bit of dirtiness. But that still doesn't. I don't really think that's it. But I'm yeah. not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna be hypocritical and say that you know at a four nil game when you're trying to get back into it, I'm not surprised that Gagnon does something like that. Well, I also seen that on the on the top statement that says he's banned for a game in November 2023, but. Let's be honest, he's not going to be here to serve that ban. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is November 2023. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
finally this week, uh, your your via play Elite League game of the week is on Wednesday night. If you're watching live tonight, that's tomorrow. If you're listening tomorrow, that's tonight. Um, at seven, and if it's Thursday, you've missed it. <laughs> 7 p.m. as the commentary plays hosted on these stars. Uh, join Aaron Murphy and Co. Live for all the action. Paddy, that's your news. Right. One thing I'm going to do before we go on to the two games, because we're going to shift through the two Sheffield games, I'm finally going to ask this question. Dave, we had a question the other week. Who, pound for pound, was the toughest player in the Elite League? Oh, it wasn't. It was the question that for the Belfast Giants. Oh, I thought it was pound for pound in the Elite League, but okay, for the oh, Belfast Giants. Belfast Giants. I thought Belfast Giants was pound for pound. Um, for me, the toughest SOB that ever put the gloves on for the Belfast Giants was Rockwell Ferroni by a distance. Uh, by a distance, he had uh, he had such a short fuse and he could hit you three rights before you even got your, your hands up to stop him. He was, he was just a... He was just a it was like he was hitting a speedball when he was fighting. He was, just, he was unreal. We have had tough guys, Sean Skihar. We have had heavyweights at Anglestad. We had good guys like Schulte and Jason Bowen. Oh, my goodness, who else have we had? Adam Keefe obviously did an amazing job as a sort of heavy middleweight, if you like. But, like, Rotten Ferroni, just, like, almost peerless for me and what he could do. I'd be surprised if Neil Russell still listens to the podcast, but if he does, I guarantee he agrees with me. And I agree with you as well. I think I that you, you know, <laughs> you go back to you, I, pull I up a sandbag here, as Joe would say. Yeah, yeah here we go. Here we go. Boys. The old boys are at it. I go, back to that game the book. <laughs> I go back to that game at the Odyssey Arena in the first couple of home games, the one against London, where you had the fight. Uh, Schulte fought, and then seconds later, uh, Froon fought. Was it, was it Walker that he fought in the corner? And then it gets to the um. It gets to the uh, the final, the, the handshakes at the end, and he gets leveled into him again. And it's not as if we're not talking about Rocco as if he was some, you know, big, you know, double sized meathead who's able to, you know, who's able just to get leveled in and just push you away and punch you. The guy was not slight, but he was well, you know, he, he wasn't he wasn't the biggest of guys, but he could pack a punch, and it and his hand speed was so quick. They would just absolutely destroy. It was like, it was like, um, it's like Floyd Mayweather. You know, his hand speed of Floyd Mayweather just come in and bang, 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 and down you went. There was very few players tough at him, and like you say, Davy, we've had them. You, know, Malcolm McMillan, tough player. Uh, what do you call the fella? What do you call the fella who was um, Carla Lewis? Carla Lewis. Oh, I, I thought know. was it. We've had we've had big guys. I remember that that Manchester game. Were, which descended into it. Into you, know, you had Carlisle Lewis uh, hitting Ed Courtney, and then Ed, and then somebody hitting Tony Hand, Lewis, and then Lewis hit Tony Hand, yeah, and Lewis and hit Tony Clute, Hand. Clute, that's right, Cloutier and Lewis then tied up. And, then, and, Mo, and Mark Morrison, probably the best fight we've ever seen at the Odyssey. What what are one of the one of the best games with regards to that? I think the video must still be on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Joe, go check it out. Great game. Do definitely, definitely. It's just that it was one of those games where you know they hit our coach, we hit their coach, and best player, and then the two, big, the guys two big guys, guys sort it out, and the two and sort out play on. And it's just yeah. that's that was just a quintessential game of that sort of era where the guys just sorted it out on the ice without yeah. and there was no real issue. And the we've game went couple, on. We've got a couple here, Ricky Stagg, obviously formerly of this parish, and Mark Reed, 
folks saying toughest or craziest, craziest Jason Rushton without a doubt, like some great Jason Rushton stories out there. Um Rushton was mental. He, he was certainly like he, he was he was durable, he was tough. We haven't even mentioned Sean McMorrow who came along for no, we haven't season and, and finished off uh Brad Voth. Killed um, kill Brad Voth's career. Yeah, so go on, Joel. Who's yours? So that it's it's maybe it's I'm, Adam I'm sort of, yeah, it's it's a syntax thing for me, right? You talk about toughest in terms of being able to fight on ice. So you talk about toughest as in an all-around hockey player. Certainly the Belfast Giants have had its share of big men who were really skilled at fighting. I, I'm not a Sean McMorrow fan. I've said it from day one. Don't like him. I think he did harm to the organization in terms of turning it into a circus. I have people that think it's like wrestling. I, I just don't like him. I don't like the guy. But, um, you know, he, he undoubtedly was a was a great ambassador for the club and what he did. I think he just set the validity of hockey in somewhere like Belfast back from, from what he did. But he went on and did that on ice kind of ufc style fighting uh that's on youtube as well it's incredible you've had big Still guys does. like matt yeah i mean fair play to him and, and he listen he put me in the royal for six months so i hope i never encounter him but um you you, you have guys like matt nickerson you know big guys who were talented fighters but you want to talk about toughness there's adam keith is the only answer boys you know to do what he did for so long um he would fight an army if, if he if he needed to for a win he'd drop his face in front of a puck to win a championship he'd go out in the playoff finals on a leg that's hanging off and try and play on it because he wants that trophy you want to talk about toughness there's nobody there's nobody i'm sorry that's uh, that's going to take it over adam keith for me take the elbow pad off throw it across oh. the room. <laughs> and again, you know, he'll he'll be the first to admit, not the biggest guy, but some of the big guys that he fought. He was scared of absolutely nothing. Sensational. Steve Mills said he always loved Big Paxton. Uh, Richard Stagg, who going for Theo as well. That's actually not a bad shout. We always say it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. And 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 Flurry back down from nobody. And he was able yeah, to put the puck in the back of the net. As, as, <laughs> yeah, as home debut, you know, three team. goals, four assists and two fights, you know, took on Freddie Adoya, sadly no longer with us. But, mm-hmm. you know, Freddie Adoya was six Twice feet, his size. Four, 220 pounds or something. And I remember the story, I can't remember, it was Colin Shields or something, you know, on that first night, Theo's came in like at the end of the first period. Or it might have been, even been before the game went, who's their tough guy? <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> he, he wanted to know before the game. He knew what he was going to do. He didn't have to wait for a Doya. He he went, he was looking for a Doya. Doya didn't go looking for him. Watch the video back, you know, he goes looking for him. So like, yeah, these guys, great memories. I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to have time to sit and, and like go through season by season. We'll do it sometime, but like go through season by season and, and look at the, at the rosters and, and talk about players and talk about the tough guys and the goal scorers and the D-men, the goalies and sort of have a moratorium on each season. That may be something for the off season, but like, those early days, you know, it, it's nostalgia. Joel said it about um, something the other week about nostalgia wrapping its arms around you, and it does. You know, you look at things through tails back, colored specs. Things were better in two thousand than they were in two thousand twenty, and in twenty years from now, Adam <laughs> Keith. Well, I Kiefer kind of stands alone. Actually, he stands out from a crowd a wee bit. You're absolutely right. Definitely. You know, he will. He will be. He, you could compare him to anybody that's came through in the twenty five years. Or, or so of the Giants, but you know you can go back season by season there, and and you can make really good arguments for a lot of players. Being George Owada was tough as take, you know, like the, but but just not in the you know him and Derek Campbell would f- fight every game. It would seem you know they, they just really didn't seem to like each other. And Mike Hoffman, go, another one who was just on monster. You know, you could fight you like could go through. We had some guys pizza. that were just pizza, just just absolutely. But 
Well, they are. I'm. I'm not going to put the one up that Andy McVeigh just said. I'm not. I can't. Like, I, see, to be fair. Okay, I'll put it up. David's going to talk about it. Put it up. It was Kevin Westgarth. I saw so, him. Punch, I can't remember who it was that he punched from Cardiff. Trevor. Trevor Cox. No. Is that when the Cox? cameras were in town for that movie? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they, they they actually had been in Cardiff the the week before as well. Um, he actually broke his helmet, punching him. Right. He smashed the CCM helmet with his fist in half. That's right. Uh, and like to do that, you've got to put like he had power. What Kevin Westgarth didn't have at that stage in his career was the drive because he wasn't going for it. We talked about. You don't play any Trevor the other winner caught Trevor Hendricks. He smashed Hendricks' helmet. That's right. Um, you don't play in the AHL to win color cups. You play in the AHL to get the NHL to win Stanley Cups. Wes Garth had done it. He he was in Belfast for other things, in my opinion. And and whilst he came here, and you know, I can't say brilliant things about what he did on the ice force and in the short period of time he was here. It wasn't a player that will go up in the in the top 20 giants of all time. Like, you know, he's had a great career. He's gone on to really, really good things in the NHL. And, of course, we'll wish yeah, him well with all that. But, like, yeah. not not in the conversation for me. Nope. Yeah. Some, I also wish Sean really McMorrow some... no ill will either, by the way. That's not a personal vendetta. I just wasn't a fan of that particular. Well, it'll be interesting like... when he comes on the podcast, what you're going to say. I'll be taking this video and playing it. That's what I'll be doing. It's like him. <laughs> It's going to be like one of those uh, one of those things that used to be in the Belfast Telegraph. McMorrow here, McMorrow's calling out Joe O'Neill. Yeah, I don't think Sean McMorrow gives a bleep what I think. To be fair to him, <laughs> uh, listen, we could talk about this for a long time, but let's uh, let's 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 start to wrap things up here. The Belfast Giants, obviously, we said taking the first trip over to the Utility Arena in Sheffield to take on the Steelers. Uh, doubleheader this weekend, Saturday 7pm, Sunday at 4pm, both those games on Steelers TV. I'm not going to get into the in-depth stuff here, Joel, I'll just ask you the question. Obviously, it's this is a big weekend for the Giants. This is the first time against Sheffield, who most notably will, most likely, the way things are going, be a real contender when it comes to silverware at the end of the season. Yeah, these are the big games that you circle in your diary. Um, we need bodies back into the lineup, but uh, just from speaking to Matt Foley earlier, I think you got a glimpse there of the mentality. You know that the boys are are ready and willing to take the challenge about being playoff hockey every week, and they're they're ready to go to war. Um, they're they're on this road trip that's going to really uh, not not define the season, but it's certainly going to set us on a course. And I don't think they're unfamiliar with that. I don't think it's news to them. Uh, and I know that Adam Keefe, who has done this a good few times now, will have them properly prepared. Um, I just hope that we can get a few bodies back in the lineup and give us as much chance as possible to head into a, a big, tricky building with big crowds, big hot crowds, and a, and a team that are always going to be there or thereabouts. I think so. I think you know Sheffield are obviously battling. They're battling last season. They're battling this season. We are already seeing, we're already seeing gaps appear in the league. So I think that these two games will really set the tone. Hopefully, as we said, as Matt Foley said, the early week has been rest for the Belfast Giants. We're hoping a lot of a lot of those bodies that were missing from the back end of that game against the Nottingham Panthers will be back in the lineup come Saturday, seven PM at the Utility Arena. I know there's a lot of Belfast Giants fans making that trip for the doubleheader as they always do. Good fun to go over there. Maybe have a few pints at the Wendy and then and head over to no the Wendy, man. What a fun. Love it, mate. Love it. Not the Arena Square. Apparently, Arena Square is not called Arena Square anymore. It's called something else. Yeah. Um, called the one we put, put the Enfield, for, for, for the Enfield. Enfield. 
Ian Field, yeah, you had to long be the to get in gone. there. Dead. <laughs> used to love going there, mate, at the pool table in the corner. It used to be an absolutely cracking bar was the Enfield. I was the one across it. Newson Gibbet, is that still there? Yeah. Shows you how much oh. you like, I don't, uh, like, Sheffield used to be a very enjoyable trip, but then they started to knock down the pubs that he used to go to. And then it was just like, well, I what? I'm not going to drink in a bowl, Nally. The young ones go in the pop world and what have you now, Paddy. We wouldn't be interested, mate. <laughs> pop Sorry. world, mate. Anyway. Pop <laughs> yeah. world, by the way. <laughs> no, me, pop world's sensational. Not for me, mate. No. <laughs> yeah, I'd right. sooner we watch need, one we, of the... we need to wrap it up. There's less people watching than Jimmy Bryson gets votes here. So come <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I'm just talking to you boys now. Right. So you say Sheffield against Belfast in Sheffield, Saturday, 7 p.m., Sunday at 4 p.m. Any other business, boys? And I'm just going to quickly start this with a quick shout out to the guys at Boomerang Corner. I forgot to do this last week. And they obviously they had their initiative on the bridge with regards to action for mental health. And, you know, it's it's not weak to speak. And I, and I think that went excellently for them. A, a fantastic initiative by them. Uh, and uh, a very, very important. We know that Kevin Ray and his, his role regards the action mental health and and, and, and things around that. But um, congratulations to them. Hopefully something that will be sustained through the season. It's a very, very important factor. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, uh, it's an issue close to my own heart as well. And I think that it's, it's, a, um, um, you know, I think those guys should be proud of the way that they're taking a lead on this. And congratulations to them. Yep. Um, anything from you, gents? No, sir. Davey's on mute. Oh, what a rookie move. What a rookie move, Davey. Come on. Come on. Um, just one from Alan Bredar. Shout out to Junior Giants who are playing at the Ice Bowl on Saturday night. Um, mm. I guess if you haven't travelled to Sheffield and you're looking at a bit of a fix of live hockey, get down there and support the uh, the junior section. I'm sure they would welcome your support. Absolutely. Well worth that. And uh, go on. Bleed tail, Paddy. You can give an update next week because I get uh, a message almost daily from Daryl Moore. Well, not daily, but once in a while because he's, he's still giving away because he thinks he's getting a pint for every pint he's given. He, he drains his, <laughs> I think he drains his arm every Friday because he thinks he's getting a pint. Um, but he, 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 to be fair to him and the likes of Kizo and stuff, I have been donating away in the background, been doing it myself whenever I get an opportunity. So um, we'll have to speak to Robert when we're over next weekend and go, you need to break a keg out here, boss. There's... There, there must be near 100 now. So there's a load of lads from 2019. <laughs> look at their, their boots three years <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I still have the spreadsheet. I still have the spreadsheet more or less up to date, which is unlike me. So yeah, we'll have, we'll look into that, and um, hopefully I can start to give blood again myself. And I got emails this week. Um, Did you? We're extending the show. Yeah. We're extending the show. No, no, no. I'll, I'll read them next week just to give ah. folks something to talk about. But Send I'll, more I'll, emails. Um, I'll print them all out and we'll read them next week. Keep the emails coming. Podcast at kingdomofthegiants.com. Send your facts in. Davey will have a t-shirt of some sort to pass out, I'm sure, Davey. The... I've got one. I've got one there that I owe to somebody. Apparently. <laughs> um, There's a Mark Darcy for... testimonial shirt getting cut into 18 pieces. And everybody's just no, getting what you put. No, no. I, I will. Um, I, I... <laughs> I'll get that posted. <laughs> Hopefully this week. It's been sitting over the hall of bars of the spin bike here. I keep moving it there, ride my bike and putting it back on afterwards. So bring, bring, will, bring um, it with you next week, mate, and hand it over in person. Could do that. We'll do like a picture, like a do a picture. That's it. Do, do it in, in um in the off ice bar. We'll uh we'll, we'll get a photograph. Well, if we do that, if we do that, we chat. Well, well yeah, we'll do that. Right, let's wrap things up here, boys. Uh, nice uh, see you.
if there's nothing if there's, if there's nothing else, the two games Sheffield against Belfast Saturday and Sunday, seven PM on Saturday, four PM on Sunday. Join JJ Fernley if you're not making the trip over, and those who are making the trip over have a great time. A uh, big thanks to Matt Foley for for joining us. That was a great chat. Big thanks to everybody who sent in messages, tweets, and the likes. And keep those emails coming. Podcast at Kingdom of the Giants.com and a big thank you to you two gentlemen. Thanks, boys. Cheers. The uh Friendship Force next weekend. We'll have a little bit about that in next week's show. And uh wherever you are, we hope you enjoy your hockey. We catch you here next time on a view from the bridge. Podcast Network.